Prakash Matthew joins the podcast today. I'm super excited to talk to this guest. He is the author of the book called We Are Called to Do the Right Thing. A little bit about Prakash before we get into the conversation. He's based in North Dakota, Fargo, and in 1971, he migrated from India after receiving his bachelor's degree in agriculture and rural sociology. He earned his master's degree in counseling and guidance from North Dakota. He actually met a professor that shoulder tapped him and recognized his expertise from a human connection and people engagement perspective, which transitioned him into the role and the journey that he's been on, just impacting human society and coaching and developing up and coming leaders. He recently published a book called We Are Called to Do the Right Thing, specifically a practical guide for leaders based on his personal experiences as an educator. I've asked Prakash to come on today to talk to me a little bit about his book, to talk to me a little bit about his journey and some of his experiences that he's had along the way. Prakash, thank, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. Thank you for having me, Rishan. Thank you. Yes, I appreciate it. I know we we be trying to get this to work out a little bit and logistically it was challenging, but I appreciate you accommodating. I know you had a little bit of a busy weekend as well. So Prakash, I want to start off a little bit by talking about the book. We are called to do the right thing. Can you tell me a little bit about the book? What is it and what it's about? Well, the book is uh, about the values and principles and some stories as well as the things that I learned in the higher education work that I did. Uh, I was in higher education for about 38 years before I retired. And uh, I started in a lower level position all the way to the vice presidency at the university. Uh, and uh, this book is about uh, what our values and who, where do we get our values. Uh, and um, in my case, I think that my parents played a major, major role in that aspect. I think that may be the case for most others too. Uh, and uh, then, in, then later that we'll uh, pick certain things from the society, there's certain things from the classroom. Uh, and by adulthood, we really know what is right and wrong. And uh, so this book, I think originally what happened was, I think um, I started doing, uh, developed a principle called the 80-20 principle. And uh, the 80-20 principle describes what happens when your personal values conflict with the organizational values, and uh, when a person's values conflict with it, or institutional values more than 20% of the time. So what hap uh, when we join an organization, we go through a search process, sometimes we think we don't think about those type of things, and or we want the job so bad, and we prepare in terms of the skills and knowledge, and, uh, and get ready for the interview. And even if we may have a read the uh, mission statement and the mission statement. It may sound good, but at the same time, we may use those things just to impress the employers. Uh, you Until you join the organization, then what happens is there are, if particularly if you have some core values that you don't uh, want to sacrifice. And if that happens more than 20% of the time, I call in this book, uh, my principle is you are in a discomfort zone or mm. a void zone and you go home frustrated. You go home stressed out. And uh, particularly when that happens uh, consistently over 20% of the time. And uh, uh, we're never going to find an organization 
uh, 100% match. Even in my case, I think the university that I worked, it was almost a perfect fit, but still not 100%. You're going to have certain things that we may have to compromise. And uh, there are certain values that you're not going to compromise. If uh, they are doing something illegal, they ask you to do, and uh, very, uh, hopefully that won't happen in your case. But uh, there are some others who go through miserable time, and they stay there because they want the job so bad. So I'm, I'm talking about in this book is that 80-20 principle is if that exceeds 20% consistently, either you need to do negotiate something with your supervisor and talk about things and become a change agent and see whether if that can be done. And if your organization is not willing to do that and they are open to the idea or not willing to listen, they say that we are doing just fine. <laughs> the problem is yours. And if that's the case, maybe you may need to find another organization and uh, mm. that may not be the right fit. That's interesting that you describe it that way, right? So I would imagine that 80-20, that 20% variable, the moment it exceeds more than 20%, right, you're saying that you should be in a position to have that open, transparent, and foundational conversation on the things that are not acceptable. And if it can't reduce back to the 20% or can't get to 20% eventually, then you'd have to move on to something else. I'd love to pick your brain a little bit on that, right? Because I know that you probably talked to a lot of folks and during your time, during your experience, you must must have seen a lot of this where some folks don't have that option. Like sometimes right. you don't really have that option, even though sometimes things might be way above the 20% mark. It might be like a 30% mark, right? You know, yeah. uh, hopefully not, but in some cases that it is. Like, and you don't have the luxury to leave and go somewhere else. What do you do? Yeah, I think that that's a very good question because that this that particular situation usually happens to the new employees. The yeah. People, when they then they are looking for a job, they want a job so bad, and the company may have a pretty good uh, reputation and out there and uh, well maybe well known company, uh, and uh, you're not doing enough research about the organization to see as to are they practicing what they preach, and uh, asking the right questions during the interview process. Uh, that is one of the things I'm recommending. I think they need to really, uh, sometimes what happens is they're afraid. They think if you ask the questions that you're not going to get the job. And right. you're challenging. I think there is the right way to ask those questions. Uh, and because they may be also looking uh, for the right fit as well. And so uh, I think I'm encouraging the search process, do, do enough research. And... Uh, so that you know that you're getting to the right organization. Once you get there, and uh, in fact, in the book, I opened that ch a chapter talking about a reflection from an employee. There is uh, a colleague of mine, and uh, he is a vice president right now. And he was not a new employee, but he talked about, because he heard about this principle from me about 20 years ago. And uh, so what happened was in his case, he was in a pretty high position and he was transferring to another university and the university he thought would be a good fit. And what happened was it wasn't. It wasn't. And he very openly talked about, without identifying which university that is, very openly talked about in that chapter and uh, he disclosed as his conflict. And so he had to leave. He had to leave. Uh, and... Uh, he how beneficial that principle has been for him. 
Mm. Uh, and so, um, in some places, I think uh, they will listen. Uh, I also have uh, some uh, a former student who was with the company, and uh, in fact, the when uh, the when the company was uh, ready to close, uh, not close, I think it was a uh, make the transition. The person was retiring. The owner owner was retiring, and uh, gave him the full responsibility and took over and gave the uh, the position and. Uh, Soon, oh, about, I would say about a year into it, uh, another corporation uh, bought the company. And so what happened was he brought, he became part of a company and then a new owner took over and uh, now their values are in place, put in place. And they now required or asked him to comply with or or uh, follow their procedures and their their values. I think that become the norm there. Uh, he this young man was struggling uh, miserably uh, here. He would have been the CEO of the company, and so now the new group of people purchased the company, and uh, they came with their norms and their values and their guidelines, and uh, it was uh, very very difficult for him. He entered into it, talked to me about it, and uh, again, he knew about this principle. At that time, I didn't, I didn't read the book. A uh, lot of the former students knew about this. So we have had a series of uh, meetings, and I prepared him for it, uh, having the negotiations, and how to have this negotiation with the, uh, the company, uh, the corporate office, and uh, so that uh, he can make some headways. He made some headways, but at the same time, he was not very successful at all. In fact, it came back to, they said, we are the new company now, and uh, you need to follow our guidelines. And uh, even, even though he gave them one year, said, try me out, try me out, at least. The, uh, and if I'm not successful, if I'm not producing, if the company is not successful, you, I will leave the organization. They did not even give the chance. They didn't the chance. So he left the company. And this would have been, he would have been the CEO of the company. And he left the company, and now he's a, a joined another company. Very, very successful. Very successful. Good for him. That's a great story, and I appreciate you taking the time to share that. Like, what about the other side of that? Like, where specifically, you know, I'm sure you, you probably have seen this, so you may have a few stories or two on this, where employees have been in organizations for so long they're immune to compromising their values, yeah. right? Where they've been in the organization for 10 years, 20 years, much longer than that, where it's greater than 20%, but they don't really, it's not a big issue. It's not a big thing enough for them to actually leave because they've been there for so long. Like, how did they deal with that? Like, what is your guidance and you know, yeah. reaction to that? I think that's a very good question because I also briefly talk about that. I did not come. Uh, I did not elaborate on that because most of the time the employees think it is the organization is the problem, and they don't realize sometimes if the employee, the situation that you cited, I think that is a, that happens in organizations all the time. They come into the organization, say stay there. They look at their uh, position as just work, going to work, so they get a paycheck. Beyond that, they're not motivated to do anything, and uh, 
they are not really a positive influence for the organization. And so even though they are, they are in disagreement with a lot of the things that are happening in the organization, they are not willing to do budge or they are willing to leave or they are not willing to um, uh, come up with the new ideas. Uh, and uh, that is really, really a difficult situation. Then, uh, then the employer has a situation where they could, they could take that stand of saying, we are not, not be a team member, team member. I think majority of the time what happens is those members are not part of the team. Mm. They, they want to be realistic and they think they are right always. And uh, uh, what they think or their values are always overrides the the organization values they at least that's what they believe and uh, so oftentimes uh they stick around and uh, they are not of not many <laughs> much used to the company once they use the company uh i think some organizations at that point uh, need to have the performance review one of the things i think i always uh recommended was a good performance review for the employees mm. And even a suggestion I made in the book also about, I think they need, the employees need to get good feedback, both positive as well as the constructive suggestions. And same way in the reverse order for your supervisors as well. So if that dialogue can take place, there is great opportunity. So happen that there is no changes happening. I think there is, uh, there, they may need a document and the employee had to let go. They have to let go of the employee. So another question that I, I, I want to ask you, right, because it, it, I can see the multiple different scenarios that could come yeah. of why you've published this type of content and why you think it's important to coach and teach, right? In some scenarios when the dissatisfaction, I guess, is greater than 20%, how much do you see that additional above and beyond that delta of additional above and beyond 20% coming from mindset? Because sometimes you can be in a negative place, right? You can be in a toxic environment, but that doesn't necessarily mean that your values might be compromised greater than 20%. It's just like your mindset could be putting you in a position where everything is a problem. The coffee is not good enough, right? And so do you see that occurring where people are in a position in a negative environment that really contributes to them increasing that 20%? Yes, uh, that, that happens primarily for the people who have been with the organization longer period of time versus the new employees. New employees. I think uh, they stay in and they don't want to leave the organization. Uh, they are not motivated to do anything different. Uh, they become a negative force, negative force mm -hmm. for the organization. Uh, and somebody, you know, what happens is some of the supervisors are not good in terms of dealing with those situations. Uh, we, we assume that always the supervisors are uh, equipped or uh, they are good leaders and good managers and they know how to deal with the situation. I think uh, a lot of the people, a lot of the managers are not good to deal with those situations. Uh, I, at least in my experience, I have seen those situations happen in when uh, uh, the employee has been part of the organization for a longer period of time versus you will see a few cases for the new employees, but not, not often. Majority of the time, the, in the new employees, it is they, they are having a struggle with the organization. They thought this is what, how, 
the organization is all about. And but we, maybe the organization is not practicing what they preach. So a really good point that brings me to my next question. You talk about the role of the employee and the individual just in terms of that 80-20 assessment, the calibration between their personal values versus the organizational values. What is the role of the leader? What what is the role? I think in, even start beginning with even the, I think if uh, if people read this book, we'll know that even the employers. In fact, I had two search company search firms contacted me about this too. Uh, the if in the front end, they can also talk about trying to find the the right fit for the organization, and uh, uh, if they can take time to see as to both the parties say. And that become part of the interview process, not just simply the experience and the skills and the knowledge. Those are the three components usually people look for. They may look for who you are as a person, but it's very difficult to make that assessment about who you are as a person because you're never going to get a bad recommendation letter from anybody. Uh, because if I'm using somebody as a form of reference, and the chances are you're going to get a pretty good reference there. So how are you going to find out about who you are as a person? I think that's where you're going to struggle with it. But if, uh, if you're going to say that the front end, if the organization and uh, the employee make equal effort to find the right fit and uh, the front end, that I would say that it will maybe uh, you're not going to get into this predicament. Yeah. Now, so second point I want to make about is, let's say that Still, uh, many of the leaders, you're talking, your question was about the leaders, mm. and they have to have some training about this, uh, doing good performance review. Mm. A lot of the employees, the performance review is a threat. They don't know because they don't know how to empower the employee uh, and or provide the right feedback. And uh, there is a simple book called the uh, One Minute Manager by Ken Blanchett wrote the book about it. And he talked about the one minute praising, one minute reprimand, and one minute goal setting. And he started with the one minute goal setting, one minute praising, and one minute um, reprimand. What that simply says is, you need to do those type of things rather than a lot of people go through this procedure, okay, we are going to have a goal setting process. And, and the leader will say, I want you to submit five or six goals that you want to accomplish for the coming year, for example. What happens is that becomes a, a, an assignment rather than, than you go through it. If, if, that if that is the system, that's the way the system works, that means you both need to employ and the employer has to sit down and talk about those goals and uh, need to have further than just simply writing down the goals saying that when are you going to complete this goal? And what tools do you need from the organization? Some of those goals, they may need the assistance from the organization. Mm. Maybe some training needs. Maybe some education needs. Further education uh, is needed. So how much is the, the organization willing to, in order for that goal to be completed, how much the organization willing to assist that employee? That all become part of the goal-setting process. Then comes the part about the evaluation. A lot of majority organizations, they have the annual performance to be done once a year. This has to be an ongoing process. Even if the one, once, a, once a week meeting, for example, even having a review of those goals 
and see as to how they are progressing on those. What do they need assistance in those goals? And uh, that, ha that has to be part of the agenda item in addition to the task completion. I'm sure most of the time, I think 90% of the time, I think in fact there is a place where I also talk about the 80-20 principle application to the supervision. And uh, there I made a recommendation there saying that 80% of the job, job that you're doing, you should have, every employee should have, should be empowered to make the decisions of, uh, they should have a, the yeah authority authority is not the right word responsibility to make the decision of the eighty percent responsibility the autonomy yeah exactly for for the job description yeah what happens is we a lot of the employers they will advertise the position and they'll hire good employees and they will say this is what your job is all about but then you will not give them the autonomy or or responsibility to make the decisions for the eighty percent. Everybody should have that. And that was the case when I, when I went, left the university, I went to Mancure and came back. And uh, when I was doing the performance review, I got some feedback about some other managers and their managers. And uh, they said, my manager is a micromanager. I have to wait for an answer. And uh, I now get an answer. Uh, the decisions are not made uh, fast enough so that we can move forward with that. I'm sitting on one uh, lot of items and it is uh, it's not going any place with it. So I had a conversation uh, with those managers and uh, so this is how I resolved it. And, and I brought this 80-20 principle and said, every employee, every employee should have the responsible autonomy to make the decision of the 80%. So let's imagine an agenda. If you have time, let me talk about that. Mm. That a 20% bracket, what happens is there's a 10% of the 20% is the responsibility when you have a one-on-one -on -one meeting with your supervisor. 80% should be simply for your information, for your information. You are letting, you are keeping the supervisor posted about what was going on, well, how did the week go, maybe some highlights. You don't want to sit, spend all the time talking about, writing about what, all the good work that you did. Just talk about one or two items, and that will be the agenda item uh, in the 80%. Maybe one or two items. Then take the 10%, or well, the item should be that you want consult with your supervisor. Okay, consult with the supervisor. You may be very capable of making the decision of that 10%. Okay. And, but you just want the supervisor opinion. Hey, uh, if, if you are my supervisor, I'll say, Sean, I'm planning on doing this. And this is what, I, what I'm planning on doing. This particular, I have a situation. What do you think? And you will, you will listen, to him and, uh, uh, listen to me and you will say to me, I think you are on the right track. Move forward. So that leaves with only 10%. So all the items that you are entering into a consultative process with your supervisor and the, the coach, uh, the, you, the supervisor may enter into certain areas and then may coach you on that. So become a coach. So the leader became a coach in that particular situation. So that leaves with only 10%. The 10%, out of the 10%, 5% will leave with uh, things that are, you would, at least the employee may feel that is the, the supervisor's responsibility to make the decision. Mm. And uh, there may be things that 
it is uh, yeah, it is a it may be the responsibility of the supervisor. So you put those categories in the five percent and saying, I think I think this is a your area, Rajan. I think you need to make this decision. That that is the one maybe they are waiting for. So the experience uh, experience uh, supervisors like you, what probably will happen would be you already know the answer to those. And ask me about it. And so they will they will have an agenda. In my case, I think I also had an agenda item, but they, they, they had to share their copy with me. So I can see and watch as to, so the items that they, they identified in that five person category, I will respond to them as to what my responses are and they will have an action plan, action plan about those items. And so chances are an experienced supervisor will respond to those five person categories right there in the meeting. So you don't even have to wait. There are some newcomers there, or some people, they're, they're habitual <laughs> in terms of saying, I want to think about it, or I'll get back to you. Make sure the employee also have, you agree on a deadline. So mm. you know mm. that you have a time period that you, you'll hear back from your supervisor. It so happened that supervisor wanted to think about it, and you'll hear back. Okay, now here's a situation that leaves with only 5%. That 5% in the agenda item is for the organization. Like in my case, the university, where it may have an organization-wide, institutional-wide impact. Mm. Okay, so I'm, we make a decision without consulting with the supervisor or the president of the university. What happens is you will do certain things that they will hear about it on the radio or TV, and you will surprise them with it. And... Uh, they will uh, say, what happened here? Uh, and that may be a big news uh, in the regionally, and uh, at the same time, you kept the uh, president of the organization in, in the dark. So we will say that there are, there's a five-person category that doesn't happen all the time. And maybe the work that you do, you may need to at least alert, alert your supervisor and then it becomes the supervisor's responsibility. So when the supervisor meets with his or her supervisor, only the 5% will move forward, move forward. Because when that person supervisor meets with his or her own supervisor, then they will put that in their agenda item to say that and talk to the president or who will they report to and say, uh, I need to ask you a question about this. And they will put that agenda, they will have a consultative process. At least they will keep a poster, him or her poster, about that idea. It's extremely well put, right? That really talks about the the importance of a good leader, the importance of an effective and impactful leader, but also that element of communication and overall orchestration and organization, just in terms of the levels of priority, the agenda items, the communication, but above and beyond that, the actual follow-up. The actual intent to follow up, the actual deadline to ensure that that action item is followed up on. Uh, Prakash, I could go on and we could spend hours on this trying yeah, to carry out this tremendous uh, conversation. Like, what is the impact that you want to have by publishing this book? What do you think back that I'm looking for? Or, uh, well, already I'm getting feedback. I think uh, um, uh, if people can make use of it and uh, 
uh, I think we all going to have conflict. We never going to have a hundred percent agreement there. So if a new employee going through a process, maybe they can identify their own values, core values. So then they know that what they're getting into, asking the right questions to the employers in the job search process. Not be afraid about it. And the friend then asking the questions, right questions about, and uh, questions about their values, about the mission statement, the vision statement. How does that translate into, into real life in the organization? And those type of things there. Uh, I have, I'm getting some calls from uh, new graduates uh, or uh, from high school, and they're looking for a college. And they are also taking a look at this book and now are saying, well, maybe they need to find the right fit for the organization. Uh, in fact, there's some research done about the right fit, by the way. The fit between your values and the organization's values have been shown as a predictor of job satisfaction and attrition for most organizations. So this has a huge impact, huge impact on if there's an employee-employee relationship there, even for a person who is coming in as a graduating high school and picking and selecting a college, uh, is it the right fit for them? And uh, so there's an impact there. Even for personal relationship, dating, <laughs> uh, what happens particularly in the, in the Western, con Western uh, countries, I think um, you know that uh, you go through the dating process. Most of the people, what happens is they fall in love with the person and then they will say to them, well, let's get married. I mean, it's going to work out. It's going to work out. Well, you never talk about these type of things ahead of time. There's also an 80 20 principle right there. Uh, That's amazing. So, yeah, even in a personal relationship. That's amazing. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's an excellent place to leave it, Prakash. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for taking the time to share this with me. I wish you all the best with the journey, and I wish you all the best with the book as well. How can people find you? One last question before I let you go. Uh, the book is now available in Amazon, uh, and uh, there is a NDSU Press. Has a, uh, that's my publisher, uh, and uh, they they can uh, Google that one or uh, uh, many other bookstores already have the books available. In fact, I know that the people have several people I know that they are already ordered to Amazon. That's amazing. That's amazing. Well, thank you so much, and uh, make sure if you're listening to check out the book. Thank you. Thank you, Rajan, and uh, pleasure meeting you, and thank you for the time. Thank you for your time.